Welcome to the Antioch Sheffield podcast. We are so glad that you can join us for today's message, which is brought to you by Pastor Todd Roberts. For more information about Antioch Sheffield, head to our website at antiochsheffield.org.uk. In the year 1756, Britain was on the brink of invasion. French armies were massing, the Seven Years' War was about to begin, and there was real concern that the French armies were going to invade Britain. And King George II responded to this threat in an extraordinary way, a way that I think is unthinkable for us today. He called the nation to a solemn day of prayer and fasting, that God would intervene and prevent an invasion. And John Wesley, who was a church leader at that time, uh, wrote in his journal on Friday, February the 6th, 1756, he wrote this, the fast day was a glorious day, such as London has scarce seen since the restoration. Every church in the city was more than full, and a solemn seriousness sat on every face. Surely God heareth prayer, and there will yet be a lengthening of our tranquility. And Wesley was right. The invasion was averted, and Britain went on to win the Seven Years' War. But this isn't the only time that a sovereign has proclaimed a day of prayer and fasting for the nation. In fact, it happened as recently as September the 8th, 1940, during the Battle of Britain, when King George VI called the nation to fasting and prayer because there was real concern that the Germans were going to win the Battle of Britain and going, going to invade the UK. And if you look back at the pictures and the videos of that time, uh, you'll see long queues outside the churches of people waiting to get inside to, to seek God to intervene on behalf of the UK. And of course, as you know, God did intervene. And the invasion was averted, and Britain won the Battle of Britain. So why do I tell you these stories? Well, if you'll recall, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that starting tomorrow, we are joining with the Antioch movement worldwide for three days of prayer and fasting. And this is an opportunity for us to, to join together to seek God on behalf of our nation and on behalf of the world. And I want to invite you to be a part of it. Of course, it's completely voluntary, but this is an opportunity for us as a church family to link arms with our Antioch family worldwide and seek God together. So today I thought I'd give a little bit of context for what we're about to do by explaining what fasting is, why we fast, and how to fast well. So I, you know, I, if you're like me, you probably haven't, some of you I know are very familiar with fasting, but some of you may be totally new to it. So let me define what fasting is. Put simply, I would say it this way. Fasting is abstaining from food for a spiritual purpose. Abstaining from food for a spiritual purpose. So this is different than like uh, abstaining from food for, you know, going on a hunger strike, which is abstaining from food for a political purpose, or uh, dieting or detoxing or going on a weight loss program, which is abstaining from food more for a physical purpose. Uh, fasting is abstaining from food for a spiritual purpose. But if you're like me, for some of you at least, 
this will be a pretty foreign concept. Again, I know some of you are very familiar with this, but, but you know, I grew up in the church, and I never heard a sermon on fasting that I can recall. I, I never knew anybody who practiced fasting. In fact, the first time I encountered somebody who practiced fasting was when I was at university. I was dating a girl who actually took fasting pretty seriously. And so when, she, when I found out that she was fasting. I thought it was the strangest, most bizarre thing. What? You're, you're fasting in order to like seek God or something? What? what? And I was a Christian, but I, I had no concept, no grid for fasting. I thought it sounded really extreme. I thought it sounded, you know, maybe unhealthy. I wanted nothing to do with fasting. And maybe you're like me and you, you've not heard about it at all. But fasting, I think, my, my girlfriend was onto something. She'd figured something out that, that fasting is actually meant to be a normal part of the Christian life. You know, a lot of us, we may, have, we may think about fasting as, as something that, that, that people do in the Bible. And for sure, there's many, many examples of people fasting in the Bible. Uh, or we may think of something that, that that's something that like monks and people in monasteries do. We don't think that this is meant to be a normal part of the Christian life. But Jesus said quite the opposite when he taught about fasting. He, he actually teaches about it in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, everybody's favorite sermon of Jesus. I mean, he, he teaches on fasting in the Sermon of the Mount, and he says this in Matthew 6. He says, and when you fast, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. Now, let me explain that for just a minute, because the culture in which Jesus lived was a very devout culture. And, and the way that you gained social standing and esteem and, and, and authority and influence was to be really devout and to be really public about your devotion to God, to, to be very, uh, you know, it was almost like a spiritual competition to prove who was the most devoted to God. And so when these guys would fast, they would kind of make a bit of a display of fasting. And it seems like they had, you know, bedhead going on and they probably walked around moaning and saying, oh, I'm so hungry because I'm fasting and doing, I don't know. It, but obviously they were making a show of it because it was a way to score points, spiritual points in the eyes of the, uh, the religious elite in their culture. <laughs> I realize that sounds really strange to us now because you're not going to score any points in our culture for fasting. People are just going to think that you're weird. But in that culture, it was a really uh, a cool thing to do. It was proving something about yourself. But Jesus was not impressed by that. And he goes on to say this. He says, I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. The reward being, you know, being noticed by other people. But then he, he shifts and he begins to give instructions to his own followers. And he says, but when you fast, not if you fast, but when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. Isn't that interesting? So even though these guys were, were practicing fasting in, in, in a really uh, out of selfish motives, um, Jesus doesn't just throw out fasting. 
He, he actually assumes that, that his own followers will continue to fast. If you go back to the previous screen, he says, notice it says, when you fast. He's not saying if you fast. He's saying when you fast. There's an assumption that his followers will continue to fast when he's gone. And when he talks about it in other portions of the Gospels, he makes that clear that, that fasting will continue after he's gone. So there's an assumption that the followers of Jesus will continue to fast. So, so, but, but he goes for the motive of it. The motive is not for, for any sort of you know, a gain socially. The motive is intimacy with God. He calls you. We fast out of a desire to know God more, to draw close to, closer to him. But then notice what he says right at the end of this passage. He says, your father who sees everything will reward you. Now that's a really interesting thing for Jesus to say, that there's, there's some sort of reward for fasting. And I think it's important for us to note this because Jesus calls us to fasting because he knows that the reward for fasting will be far greater than the discomfort and the, the uh, challenges of fasting. Well, what does he mean by reward? What, what kind of rewards can we expect for fasting? Well, I think there's, there's internal rewards and I think there's external rewards. So let me just talk briefly about what those might be. You see, fasting, I think first and foremost, is about realigning our heart to God. It, it's about connecting us much more deeply to God. And, and you know, over the years as I practice fasting, I would say this, that fasting tenderizes our hearts to God. It makes our hearts more sensitive to God. It, it, it makes the, the veil between the spiritual world and the natural world a little bit thinner. It allows our hearts to be more connected to him. And that in itself is a reward. But the byproduct of having a heart that's more tenderized to God, more open to what's happening in, in the spiritual realm, is that we get to, several things, we get to experience more of God's presence. You know, I think, you know, fasting isn't this sort of formula where we twist God's arm or we, we earn this through our, our devotion and our, uh, you know, uh, asceticism. No, fasting, you see, God's always with us. He's always present with us, but, you know, in the fog of life <laughs> and in the spiritual warfare that we experience, we often aren't aware of it. We, we, we lose our sense of awareness of God's presence, but, but when we fast, as I said, our heart gets a little more tender, and we begin to become more aware of his presence. And that is, 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 is a great reward for us. Secondly, Fasting enables us to hear his voice more clearly. You know, often we, we want to hear God for big decisions that we need to make or, or, or different areas in our lives, but, but we struggle sometimes to hear God. But fasting, when your heart is just more tenderized to God, we begin to hear his voice more clearly. I heard a story once uh, from the legendary preacher, Charles Stanley. He said that, that people often come to him and ask him, what's God's will for my life? He said that was the number one thing people would come and ask him. And eventually he realized that, that, that he, wouldn't, he, didn't, he didn't have the ability to give a good answer to that question. And so what he told people to do was, hey, why don't you take a long weekend 
and take three days to pray and fast and just write down whatever you sense God's saying. And I bet by the end of that time, you'll hear something. And if not, come back and see me and we'll pray more together. And he said in all of his long years of ministry, only two people ever came back to see him. And that means either one of two things, either people heard from God or they weren't willing to fast and pray for three days. So fasting and praying tenderizes our hearts to God and allows us to hear his voice more clearly. And thirdly, fasting allows us to experience more of his freedom. Remember, Jesus came to bring freedom to captives. He longs for our hearts and our souls to be set free, set free from worry, set free from sin, set free from the enemy and all the ways that he tries to uh, ensnare us and entrap us. Jesus desires us to be free. Isn't that good news? But a lot of us, we're not experiencing that freedom. And one of the best things you can do is take time to, to fast and pray. And, and as our hearts, again, become more sensitive to God, God uses those moments to set us free. So those are some of the internal rewards, I think, from fasting. But what about the external rewards? What, what, what does he mean by that? I, I, think, um, or I think what I mean by that is that God intervenes in our circumstances, in powerful ways when we fast. And often, you know, we get to places where there's just nothing we can do naturally. There's nothing people can do anymore to to fix a situation. And, and, And that's when fasting comes in. When we've done all we can do and we need God to intervene, that's when we fast and we pray and we seek God. And we can do that for ourselves. We can do that for our families. We can do that for our friends or people in our life groups. We can do that for our city and we can do that for the nation. In fact, throughout scripture, there were times for the the nation of Israel where they were facing dire situations. And so they would fast and they would pray and they would seek God and God would come through and deliver the nation. Uh, One of my favorite stories of this uh, comes in the book of Esther. Uh, Esther was a Jewish exile to Babylon, and uh, she and a number of other Jews were, were living in Babylon, and, 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 she, uh, and basically they uncovered a plot against the Jewish people to wipe out the Jewish people living in Babylon. And, and Esther was living in the king's palace at the time. We don't have time to go into the whole story, but, but she was in a position of influence. And so she wrote to her uncle, who was a prominent leader in the Jewish community, and, and she said this, She said, go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. Esther called the people to a fast, to fast for what she was about to do. She was about to go to the king and expose this plot, and and, and her life was uh, most likely, she was going to lose her life in the process of this. So she fasted, and the people fasted. And long story short, God did intervene and delivered the people from this plot against them to wipe them out. So we see this pattern throughout Scripture. And I just want to say, you know, just as I told you stories at the beginning of, of our nation turning to God in times of dire need, I want to say, Right now, while we may not be facing invasion from a hostile enemy, we are facing an extraordinary challenging season, probably the most difficult period this nation has experienced since World War II. 
And I think it is appropriate and good for the people of God to intervene, to, to call out, to fast and pray on behalf of this nation, to, to fulfill that priestly role where we intervene and we cry out to God and we ask him to come and, 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 and uh, heal our land, to, uh, to, to work on our behalf. And you know, I don't know about you, but when I see, read the news these days, um, I often just feel kind of helpless. Like, you know, hey, what can I do about all these problems? We've got a pandemic going on. We've got the economic fallout of the pandemic. We've got uh, uh, unrest happening over the past few months. We've got Brexit happening. I mean, all of these things, like, what can I do? Well, there's probably lots of things we can do on a small scale, but one thing I know we can do as followers of Jesus is we can seek God. We can pray and seek his face on behalf of our nation. And that's part of what we're going to be doing over the next three days. We're going to be fasting and praying on behalf of the nation. We're going to be crying out uh, to God for our city and for this nation. We're going to be asking God to turn the tide of this virus. We're going to be praying for some of the other Antioch teams around the world. We're going to be praying for the persecuted church. We're going to be seeking God together that he will, he will avert disaster in this nation. Now, before we, before we close, I just want to give some practical examples or some practical tips on how to fast because it's not always straightforward. And if you've never fasted before, it might seem kind of intimidating or daunting to take this on, or, or, or you might come up with some pretty interesting approaches to it. In fact, I've heard of people that, that, that uh, you know, are fasting for the first time, and they, they have some pretty creative approaches. In fact, uh, I know of one young woman who may or may not be my wife who once attempted to do a fast where the primary thing she drank was chocolate milk. It didn't go very well. So to avert that kind of uh, practice, uh, I, I want to give you some, some basic tips because fasting, when you do it well, it's, it's not harmful, it's healthy for you. And, but if you do it wrongly, it can actually really mess your body up. So let me give you some really practical tips. First of all, if you've never fasted before, I want to encourage you to start slow. <laughs> Maybe just take one meal or two meals. You don't have to do all three days on water. That, that, that's a pretty big step. You need to build up to that. Just start slow. Uh, another approach is you can do a juice fast where you're drinking, but you, you can have juice at your meals, and, and that, that is uh, still pretty difficult to do. Or you could do uh, a Daniel fast, which is based on the account of Daniel in the Bible. He, uh, for a period, we're told that he just ate vegetables and drank water. That's another uh, way of fasting. Or you can do a partial fast where you set aside some things like sugar or caffeine or meat or something like that. Or you, could, you can uh, set aside, if maybe you can't fast from food, but you can set aside some of the other things that you go to for comfort or for distraction, things like you know, entertainment or your phone or video games. Anything that we run to for comfort is, is, is something that you can fast from. So start slow. Secondly, uh, drink plenty of fluids. And, and I just mentioned this because... Well, yeah, I gave you that example of Esther, and, and they did three days of no food and no water, and that's called an absolute fast, and that's actually pretty dangerous to do. I don't recommend doing that. Just remember the context of that story is that Esther and her people were facing annihilation. 
So if you're facing annihilation, then by all means, go ahead and do an absolute fast. Otherwise, I'd encourage you to at least drink a lot of water while you're fasting. Thirdly, I want to encourage you to have a focus for your fast. Um, you can, you can uh, obviously, I, I would encourage you to find, think of something in your own life, you know, something that is maybe um, that your mind is preoccupied by, that you're worried about or anxious about, and bring that before God over these three days of prayer and fasting. Ask God to intervene on your behalf in these areas. And then I'd encourage you to find something besides, you know, something in your community or in our nation that you want to pray for. As I said, we're going to be praying for all kinds of different things over the next three days, but, but find something beyond yourself that you're crying out to God for. And finally, I want to encourage you to avoid distractions. You know, I found that when I fast, a lot of times I just get, I, I just transition from not eating food to just zoning out on my phone or just, you know, getting lost in sports or entertainment just to distract myself from the discomfort of fasting. But remember, the discomfort of fasting is the point because whenever we feel hungry, whenever we're feeling uncomfortable, whenever we're craving that thing that normally brings us comfort, that is our cue to go to God. That's our cue to seek his face. Fasting just is a, is a great trigger to remind us to pray, to remind us that God is the only one that can satisfy our soul, that he is the bread of life. So that hunger that you're feeling, that discomfort that you're feeling, that's your cue, that's your trigger to turn and seek God together. Now, there's plenty of other things we could say about the practicals of fasting. However, I'm gonna be, we're going to be sending out an email that has all, a, a, a sheet that gives some really great practical tips on how to practice fasting. So please be sure to read that if you are on our mailing list. But I want to encourage you, why not jump in and try fasting? If you've never done it before, give it a shot. See what God will do with this time. See how it sensitizes our hearts to Him, how it realigns our hearts to Him. And I look forward to hearing what God's going to do over these next three days. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, that, that you hear your people when we pray. And God, as we set aside these three days as, as time to just pursue you wholeheartedly, God, I ask that you would meet with us in extraordinary ways. God, tenderize our heart to you. Help us to hear your voice. Help us to experience your presence. Help us set us free, Lord, where we're, where we're uh, struggling. And Lord, I pray, God, that as we inter intercede on behalf of this nation, God, that you would move in response, that you would turn the tide of this pandemic, that you would intervene where economically things are so difficult right now. God, we ask that you would, that you would come and move in this land and draw people's hearts back to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening today. To listen to more messages like this one, head to our website at antiochsheffield.org.uk forward slash podcast. We are looking forward to seeing you soon.